Hi, everyone, and welcome to the VLGA Connect Governance Update with Stephen Cooper, the Chief of Staff of the VLGA, joining me as he does each week to talk about, well, uh, all sorts of stuff, really. Hi, Steve. Hi, Chris. I was worried at nine o'clock this morning we'd have nothing to talk about, but looks like we do. We've got a very long list to talk about. We may not get to all of it today, but uh, there's been quite a bit happening, and I'm interested in your thoughts on some of the stuff that's happening, not in Victoria, uh, as as fate would have it. Uh, can we take a little trip across to Tea Tree Gully in South Australia? Have you been following what's happening there with the mayor of Tea Tree Gully? Had a bit of a peek. Chris, because I thought there's some um, some salutary lessons for um, for councils everywhere in the it, actually the beautifully named Tea Tree Gully. What a what a fabulous name for a place! Indeed. Um, so props to whoever thought of that. Um, yeah. So and correct me if I've got it wrong, Chris, but my understanding is there have been multiple independent reports um, that have found uh, in those reports um, inappropriate behaviour by the mayor. Um, straying into sexual harassment, um, particularly due to some comments and and sort of actions that have been deemed in those reports to be inappropriate. That is correct. Uh, that has occurred on more than one occasion. And the, the Council of Tea Tree Gully this week has taken uh, the rather extraordinary step of passing a resolution calling on its mayor to stand down calling on uh, its mayor to, I, I think, issue an apology, um, but also quite extraordinarily, I thought, um, asking the deputy mayor to write to uh, every community group and formerly known stakeholder in the municipality to say the mayor is no longer our preferred representative for any functions. Don't invite him to anything. Send them through to the council. Pretty extraordinary step. Well, it's, it's a really interesting one. I didn't know about that last bit, and I wonder about the veracity of it outside of, for example, you know, a conduct situation of instructing a councillor to do something. And I'd have to think that a resolution of council, if it's lawful and clear, might instruct a CEO to make particular correspondence in a Victorian context, but I'm not sure about instruct the council instructing a particular council councillor to do something yes. like that. Yes, that's a really good point. But I'm, I'm, I am certain that's what it said because I read the, the resolution. Yeah. So you raise a good point that I hadn't uh, considered, actually. But I, I guess the upshot of all of this, it's, it's not the first time that the mayor has been uh, asked to step down as a result of these issues. Uh, he's standing on his digs, he's denying the claims, and he's saying he's refusing to stand down. Well, there's also a South Australian nicety in that one, Chris, that the mayor is directly elected. And I understand the mayor has commented that uh, the election is by the people, not by you lot. So on that basis, I think uh, the Latin phrase is vox populi, vox dei. The voice of the people is the voice of God. Oh, you, you do come up with them. Well done. And... Uh... <laughs> And I think the South Australian local government minister, whose name I believe is Vicky Chapman, has uh, weighed in saying that she has no power at this point to do anything about this either. But I think the legislation is under review in light of uh, those sorts of situations. I would, have, I would have presumed, Chris, that um, anyone drafting a local government act from time to time would contemplate whether a council should, by resolution, declare a motion of no confidence in a mayor. Like, the fact of lurching to a no confidence motion is not of itself surprising, but it did prompt me, and I was pretty sure beforehand, but to go back to Section 20 of the Local Government Act in Victoria, and there are a bunch of reasons by which the term of the mayor might end, but a vote of no confidence is not one of them. Right. 
Yes, well, <clears throat> that probably explains why we haven't had any in uh, in Victoria. But uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting to see how that situation would play out here if the same were to occur. What w- what would you think would happen? Oh well, I think we've got a pretty um, elaborate now um, conduct process, and if there is um, if there is misconduct of that type, I would expect that it would get into um, a conduct conduct panel process quite quickly, um, given circumstances that have occurred, uh, for example, at the City of Melbourne and elsewhere. I think there's there's an awareness that um, matters of harassment need to be dealt with um, early yeah. and uh, with as little harm as possible to those affected. So um, that would be a way to deal with it. I think a notable difference, as you point out too, is that uh, most of the mayors in Victoria are elected from amongst the group of councillors, if you got to a situation where the council as a whole lost confidence in its mayor, it'd be pretty hard for a mayor to stay in the role if they moved some sort of motion to say, we no longer want you in the role. Well, that's true. I mean, um, a council or group of councillors can kick off the process. It would be difficult for the mayor, but I mean, different circumstances lead to um, different outcomes, I suppose, Chris. But yeah. um, I think it points to the importance of, you know, the leadership and respect kind of um, obligations under the standards of conduct and just the importance of dealing with issues um, early and amicably. Yes, indeed. Now, there's another one. I want to, we're going to whip up north now to Queensland, where at South Burnett Regional Council, a councillor has, after a pretty long and convoluted, it seemed to me, process, has been cleared of inappropriate conduct and ultimately it was the mayor of the council in whom the decision rested to make a call on whether to uphold or dismiss the matter. Did you have a look at that one? I had a look briefly Chris and I've got to say that your research skills are really stretching me at the moment so thank you for that referral. Blame the the podcast, blame the local government news roundup. The thing that really struck me about that one Chris it was a reminder that of course in in the Queensland context, the mayor is also effectively the chief executive of the organisation. So there is an element of administrative power that rests with the mayor, and that's why the mayor needed to make the decision. Um, the other thing that struck me, and I've got to um, confess to a bit of, I don't know if it was tiredness or whatever, but I, I read the materials you sent me, and then I read a piece that said that in the interest of transparency, a report has been provided. I clicked open the report. And I'm not saying it's fully redacted like whole pages, but there are lots of redactions. And I've, I must admit, looking at it was quite exhausting. Yes, yes, it's it's well and truly uh, redacted. Uh, so a, a question about whether the transparency is being achieved there or not, I get what you're saying. But an interesting case, and, and these just serve to highlight how, how there are significant differences in the governance systems at the local government level, uh, depending on what state you're in in the country. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in the in the detail, I think though, if you take a step back, what's what is absolutely vital, and and recent events both at all levels of government and in the corporate world have said um, that these matters need to be addressed early um, by whatever um, investigation and resolution method is available. And it's interesting that the conduct, you know, the arbitration processes. Um, in the code of conduct require that matters be raised, you know, not matters below serious misconduct be made um, within three months. Mm. 
mm. um, which is really a signal to deal with issues early. Of course, though, not everything is a misconduct and whatever councils can do to use that informal resolution process, I think they might not know it, but the rate payers will thank you. Good words. And now um, we're going to keep travelling because I know you have been doing the research into uh, an incident that's playing out in York in, uh, in merry old England. I'm looking forward to getting back to travelling again, Chris, because I think I'd like to go on a tour and do a you know, personal investigation in York because it's a nice place. Um, yes. Yeah, Chris, so in York, um, there's been um, a bit of some ructions um, over the employment of the Chief Executive of the Council and the Council held a meeting to determine the departure arrangements for the Chief Executive Officer. Now, the person called the council leader, which I presume is like the councillor with the most numbers on the council, holding the most numbers of the council. So the person who's the council leader... Remembering that there's probably a very large number of councillors, honestly. Oh, extraordinarily large um, numbers of councillors. And you would imagine at a place like York, I don't know, but it wouldn't be out of question that there'd be 60 or 70 councillors. Yeah, I, I might just try and Google that while you're talking oh. and see if we can find out. Uh, yeah, go let's on. come back to that. Um, anyway, the council leader chaired that meeting and uh, the concern was subsequently raised that, in fact, the council leader in chairing that meeting also had a conflict of interest because the CEO had made bullying allegations against that person. The mm. council leader claimed that he had chaired the meeting on advice from officers, uh, that there was no conflict of interest. A subsequent audit found that there would be the perception of a conflict of interest and um, that, in fact, maybe it would have been better if that person had not chaired the meeting. Interesting one. Absolutely. And, and a reminder to, I guess, Chris, that it's down to the individual. It's not about whether you can bring a fair mind to um, the issue at hand. It's not about the question of whether there is a personal pecuniary interest. If we're talking about a general conflict of interest, the only question is, would a reasonable person think there's a reasonable possibility that your judgment might be impacted by the relationship? I'll have a read of that, Steve. I can't contribute much to that uh, discussion other than to tell you that the City of York Council is composed of 47 councillors, one, two or three for each of the 21 electoral wards of York. That is outstanding research skills, Chris. Well done, you. <laughs> what did we do before Google? I, I really can't remember. We muddled our way through and we made stuff up. Um, we get, before we leave England, uh, we don't need to talk about this at length now, but the Greens Hill scandal. Uh, during the week, uh, Catherine Arndt and I had a chat with Ken Smith from Anzog. It's a longer piece than normal, but I really think there's some nuggets in there around systems of government and where we're going, particularly in light of COVID. That was a terrific interview, Chris. Listen to it. Excellent. So um, we did talk a bit about this lobbying uh, political advisor scandal that's playing out uh, with David Cameron, the former prime minister at the centre of it. Um, I'm really interested to turn my mind to it at some point in terms of, you know, could such a thing occur here? Is it, is it, is it that the systems are in place and they just haven't been used or are there gaps in the system that's allowed this to happen? I'll just make a couple of points, Chris. One is at a federal level, we don't have a federal ICAC. Yeah. Just saying. Um, okay. I think, I wonder if we have a quiet week where there's not much happening in local government, maybe we could have a Greens Hill episode because there are rich pickings there. 
Yeah, excellent. All right, let's uh, let's put that on the list to come back to. Um, now, a couple of other things to note in passing. I know you wanted to just make a couple of comments. Um, the the city of Dandenong um, issue that's uh, a matter of um, well, it's been on the television, I think, hasn't it? Uh, oh, like an expose on a current affair or something. It's <laughs> Well, that gives it a level of gravitas, Chris, doesn't it? Oh, it's been on a current affair. Um, can, can I just I file... say, just for the record, I do not watch a current affair. <laughs> I haven't watched it for about 30 years. But anyway, as you were. <laughs> That's what they all say, Chris. Um, can I... Actually, these next two, can we file them under watch this space? Um, yep. There is absolutely no judgment being made in any of these matters. But um, as of... You're the not a lawyer of... either, are you? No, and let's not take legal advice from us either. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> but as of today, the Chief Commissioner of Police um, has announced that he wants to investigate, uh, will investigate the police investigation associated right. with the iCook Foods matter and the City of Greater Dandenong. Right. Um, that will take its course and the process will take its course. I, I find this really interesting, though, that in the media and even sort of respected journalists in relation to their Twitter commentary are focusing on the fact that there's a slug. That was oh, found yes, the this is the slug one. Yes, this is of the course. Slug. Can yeah. we please, if anyone's reading this stuff, can you look beyond the slug? There are far greater issues at hand um, associated with this. Um, that ends my comment on that. <laughs> Steve, it's occurred to me, there's a, there's a podcast that I listen to reasonably regularly that takes a quote from the episode and makes it the episode title. And I thought it would be fun to do that for VLGA Connect. And you've just given me today's title. This episode is known as Look Beyond the Slug. And uh, uh, Banyul and Civil Action. Yeah, interesting one there too, Chris. The, um, it was widely reported during the election campaign that, um, I don't know, I think the polite way of saying is that the campaign got quite willing at times and uh, in leafy banual. But what has subsequently happened is that a former councillor and the son of the former councillor, who is also a candidate, have launched civil proceedings against another former councillor in regard to materials that were circulated during the time of that election. Right. Uh, so that's been reported in the dailies. Again, not for us to comment on the outcome because the courts will make a decision in the fullness of time. But I think it's a nice reminder in the willingness of the, you know, the, of the political battle that what people do might also have personal ramifications, leaving aside the fact that the way that we resolve decisions actually impacts on the culture of the organisation. Absolutely. So as you say, one to keep an eye on, and I'm sure we'll talk more about, and I'm also aware of some some information that's going to be uh, released publicly very soon in uh, in relation to some of the experiences of female candidates during that election campaign that we'll be looking into as well. You might be aware that the Algwa Victorian Branch uh, Conference is coming up at the end of the month with some really good speakers lined up. There's a great, a great group of speakers at the Elgwa Vic Conference that's going to be held at the, at the Yarra City Council or hosted by the Yarra City Council. So, yes, uh, good one to keep an eye on. Steve, I've been a bit like pre-COVID times. I've actually been out and about at a couple of functions in recent times and I'm getting a lot of people coming up and uh, this is starting to hurt a little bit and saying, oh, you're doing that thing with Steve Cooper. <laughs> He's a great guy. Really enjoy that. 
um, I feel like the straight man. I feel oh, like stop it. No. <laughs> I'm 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 Don Lane to your Bert Newton or something. Oh no, far more modest though, Chris. But I wonder the real test is what's coming in in the mailbag. Ah, ah. Uh, I'm pleased you asked. I did get an item of mail this week from a, an avid listener who told you had me had one that... item of mail. When... <laughs> oh, I'd like to say there was more, but no, there's one in particular that's stuck in my mind. Um, an avid listener who apparently was behind and lined up all of our episodes for a big trip in the car into the city and sent me a message to say, are you keeping a list of all the things that you say you'll come, <laughs> you'll come back to? <laughs> I don't think... I don't think we are, are we? I don't think so. I think if that avid listener has that much time on that avid listener's hands, maybe that avid listener would like to provide us with the list and we'll see what we can do. That's a good idea. That's a very good idea, Stephen. Thank you. Let's add that to the list and we'll see if we can come back to it. I think we better call it a day. I think so. Thanks, Chris. Good to see you. Thanks, Steve. Have a good week. Back with more from the world of governance uh, next week on VLGA Connect. Thanks for your company. 